And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into a uh, a pretty interesting edition of the Buffalo Beat here because the Bills are up against what they and a lot of you all out there believe to be their arch rivals of the 2021 season, the team that wasn't supposed to be challenging them for the division this year, yet they went into Orchard Park and beat them on Monday Night Football, the New England Patriots. So so uh, we've got a lot to get to. My name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks everyone for joining us on this episode. And just like we did last time, we how could we do anything other than bring on Buffalo Beat alum and now Patriots reporter for The Athletic, Matthew Fairburn, to discuss all of it and go through it because it was such a lively discussion last time. So, Matthew, welcome home once again. It's good to be back. Uh, it's good to be back. This time of year is uh, is always interesting. And I don't know, it feels like we're back in our regular rhythm here. This is two <laughs> out of three weeks. So it's uh, we're, we're bunching them all together, a holiday bundle for the listeners. I know you even uh, I mean, you had a bye week mixed in there as well. Uh, so it, it really feels like it's two two games in three weeks like we the Bills have had a couple of games in between. They they had the the Tampa game where they basically came out flat in the first half and then woke the hell up in the second half. And then the laugher against the Panthers this past weekend. So it there's there's been a lot of time for. Bills fans and the team to stew on on what happened last time and I you know I don't know if it if it feels like this because we cover these two teams but it almost feels like the way that everything kind of blew up uh from that game how it looked how it sounded after the fact um it almost feels like it was one of the most memorable games of the year NFL wide i mean just just for how ridiculous it was that the patriots deployed the game plan that they did and came away victorious yeah i i said afterwards to a lot of people like you cover enough games and watch enough games if you're a fan and a lot of them start to feel the same and they start to bleed together and you feel like you've seen a version of every game that pops up and that was a new one. That was a new game that I think a lot of people had not seen unless we have some listeners who were around in the 1970s watching, you know, teams run the ball the way the Patriots did, but the the weather I think was unique, uh not not once in a lifetime, but I don't think I had seen wind like that in my 7 years covering the Bills. A, a few days that came close, but nothing quite like that. And the way the Patriots handled it and the way Bill Belichick went about his game plan and then just the the emotion of the game combined with all that. You know, you think about 
the snow game with the Colts or, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Monday night game against the Jets that got moved to Detroit. Certainly unique, memorable days, but they weren't as supercharged with emotion as this game was. And so all of that, I think, will make it one that, you know, people will remember for a while. And certainly, you know, Adrian Phillips on the Patriots mentioned it today. Like the emotions are still there a little bit. Like the mm-hmm. the game was just 20 days ago or there'll be 20 days in between these two games. So the emotion is going to stay somewhat high, I, I think, on both sides. And, you know, that's we talked about it last time The these two teams playing games where you can say those things and where they it means something. This is basically an AFC East division championship game here. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know, something new or, you know, for both of these teams as well. Yeah. I, I, the, the way that both teams have kind of gone about their business over the last couple of weeks has, has been interesting to monitor. Um, obviously the, uh, the Patriots had the week off um, and they lost to the Colts, which, set up this momentous game that, that we're both about to see unfold live. Um, and the Bills kind of woke up a bit against Tampa Bay in the second half. And it it actually sounded, you know, for losing the way that they did, it actually sounded really optimistic and how they, um, it felt a lot more like how they were last year than they have been at any point this season, which is, Kind of an interesting thing to think about that maybe a, a close loss like that can do it. And then they, they came out and they they completely demolished a, a Panthers team that was starting Cam Newton, who should not be playing quarterback anymore. Um, so watching these two teams play and watching how they've reacted, I mean, even after the Panthers game, there was allusions to, we know who's next from a Bills perspective. I think the Patriots have probably known who's up next as well just based on the 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 moment upcoming and how now maybe the pressure has shifted from the bills because now they're trying to catch the patriots much like the patriots were trying to catch the bills and the patriots were at home (coughs) excuse me and the patriots just lost to the colts whereas the bills are coming off a win in an impressive second half against the super bowl defending champions so it, just the way this this whole thing is setting up is just kind of like, okay, we we could have a real Donnybrook here between these two teams, and some of the intrigue too. Like, um, both teams are are going through some injury stuff. Uh, the Bills have had a a handful of of players pop up on the COVID list, so it just like we're recording this on Thursday late afternoon, and we could still wind up seeing tons of stuff change between now and Sunday. Yeah, there's. I think the last few weeks in the NFL have shown us that no matter what you think is going to happen, you know, with COVID, you know, there's no telling how things can change from day to day, from hour to hour. So certainly everything everything we say is under that that caveat because you know we've seen games change dramatically in terms of the matchups and everything else because of a few positive cases or a string of positive cases and certainly it's it's not going away as everybody you know is well aware and it it makes you know the most trivial part of it is you know the the on-field stuff but uh, it certainly made a bit of a stressful few weeks I think for NFL teams as they try to relearn how to navigate with a new variant and a new 
you know, reality, new protocols, the whole thing has made the last few weeks in the NFL a little bit odd. You you hope that it's not a situation where down the stretch of a season, you know, games are being decided by it and, you know, playoff matchups and everything like that is being decided that way. But it's a, a new reality for a lot of people the last few weeks, you know, as things have, have changed, you, people are just figuring things out as they go. And the NFL is certainly doing that. They're, you know, changing things up on the fly and who knows what it'll look like between now and then fingers crossed that, you know, everybody on both sides stays healthy and the few positives that are on both sides, you know, that those lists remain, you know, what they are at this point. Yeah. The, um, the bills, they just had someone come off the list, which was Tyrell Dodson. Um, just going on the list a, a few days ago was Cole Beasley, um, who we talked a lot about before um, before you um, started covering the Patriots uh, back in training camp, especially with a lot of the uh, his very public comments. But um, the grateful the to not be on the Cole Beasley beat anymore. That's uh, <laughs> that's been nice. I don't he, have to involve myself in that that discourse. He's taken to Instagram. Um, it's no longer Twitter. Uh, he is posting a uh, a notes uh, a notes um, little little image on Instagram. So that's that's how he's getting his message across these days. But um, the Bills have had they have Deion Dawkins on COVID nineteen reserve COVID nineteen who went on there on Friday of last week. So there exists a pretty realistic chance that that he can be cleared in time for the game. John Feliciano went. Uh, on the COVID list day of, uh, Epinesa, he was on there. I think he went on Monday. Um, so he's looking slightly more uncertain and uh, there's another one I'm, I'm forgetting. Uh, no, no, there's only four now. And there's three practice squad guys who all got added this week in Bobby Hart, Mike Love, and, uh, Quentin Morris, who just got added, uh, recently. So they, they still have had a, like a, a kind of a, constant stream of of uh, players getting added to the list and I've also kind of seen some changes like today we after practice we talked to Stefan Diggs and Micah Hyde and Hyde who talks to the media basically every single week um, for the most part has been unmasked and even on an indoor setting but this week he had an N95 on and he like I, I even asked what it's been like for them in this sort of situation where they don't know what's happening from one uh, from one day to the next uh, in terms of who they're going to have on the field with them, what's happening around the league. And like Stefan Diggs even said to the point, like, you know, this big players are going to are going to go down because of this. And, and that's. That's a that's a huge thing, especially this time of year, and um, it's a a very stark reality to to what's happening. So, from a Patriots perspective, how have they kind of navigated um, the reserve COVID nineteen list um, uh, over the past month or so when things have really started to kind of gear up here? They've been in decent shape. They had four players go on the list on Monday, including Kendrick Bourne. Uh, arguably their top wide receiver. Mm -hmm. He responded to a comment on Instagram uh, saying that he was 
asymptomatic, so I think there's a chance that he gets cleared by Sunday. But with this being the first week of the new protocols, it's really hard to tell right. how quickly you know the NFL has set them up so that guys can get back a little bit quicker. You know, particularly vaccinated asymptomatic players, but we still don't know how likely that's going to be that guys, you know, land on the list at the beginning of the week and play at the end of the week. So other than that, it's been a handful of players who are either on injured reserve already or, uh, you know, backups or practice squad guys. So, so far, you know, they had a little bit of a situation earlier in the year along their offensive line where a few of them missed a game at once, but, They've, to this point, been pretty fortunate. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Who knows what will happen yeah. in the next three days of testing and whatever else. But Or, heck, what but, might even happen within the next hour because it's 4.22 yeah, and some this of the is, stuff comes down at 5. Yeah, this is typically the time when you know we see yesterday they had no new players go on the list. So that was you know something. They, had, they did have Kyle Duggar miss the uh, first – game against the Patriots. So they've had, you know, cases here and there that have popped up. Right now Bourne is the one they're watching closely. And, you know, it's hard to tell how this is gonna go. It's it's spreading like wildfire right now. And I think it's a you know, probably a combination of the new variant and, you know, a lot of these guys having been vaccinated at a certain time of year and, you know, being six months removed. So it's uh it's interesting, but so far the Patriots have been in decent shape as far as, you know, players landing on the list. Yeah, and it's it's to the point where it almost feels like the most uh, the team that are the most cognizant and take the most precautions are going to be the ones that, you know, I don't know if there's coming out ahead in this situation, but the ones that are going to stand the best chance um, of coming out ahead because, you know, Micah Hyde even today said to the point in which this is, they're essentially quarantining again. And to the point where his, his wife was getting mad that they weren't getting out of the house too much anymore um, because he's got a couple of kids and, you know, they, they want to get out of the house, but it, it's not, and he even couldn't go to one of his charity events because of the concerns over COVID. So and at least from Micah Hyde's perspective, he's he's taking it very seriously. And I would I would be hard pressed to think that um, most of the guys in the locker room aren't kind of following his lead because he's a, a captain on the team and and certainly one of the one of the guys that um, that people look up to. So, yeah, that's it's it's the layer that uh, unfortunately could play a huge role, but. Um, it's a very real one that that we have to talk about as we continue to march on through the next few days. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But back to the football side of things. How have the Patriots kind of... Um, how have they looked ba- since the since the time we last saw them? Like, we, know, we obviously know the Colts game did not go their way. But how have things kind of felt? How have they sounded? And and even before and after that Colts game and and really what was the biggest reason that they um, that they failed in that one? Yeah, it's weird because the only game they've had since the last Bills game is that Colts game. They had a bye week after playing the Bills, came back for that Saturday night game. And it was one of their worst games of the season. Probably, you know, you'd have to go back to week three against the Saints to find a game quite that bad and a lot of it you know it, it's it, a lot of it was stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect from the Patriots of uh, mistakes they made themselves you know penalties that killed offensive drives not coming down with tough catches they had a blocked punt early when they had a chance to get points at the end of the half Mac Jones threw an interception they got the ball to start the second half he threw another one they ended up down 20 to nothing and they actually fought back into the game to the point where they were threatening to tie it up, but you know, basically ran out of time at the end. I mean, Bill Belichick made a somewhat controversial decision to kick a field goal when they were down 13 with nine minutes left, and that put them down 10. They were fourth and goal from the seven, and they never really had enough time after that. They got down three. Um, by getting the ball back, scoring a touchdown, and then let up a huge run to Jonathan Taylor that was essentially a walk-off. So it was a weird game from them because they made so many mistakes and didn't match up perfectly with the Colts' running game, and yet there they were at the end of the game somehow. So I think they pinned it on, you know, Mac Jones pinned it on a bad week of practice, which is not something you typically hear. around here, you know, someone admitting that, um, Mm -hmm. and some players have, have echoed it. Bill Belichick even echoed it. The, the weird phrase that Mac Jones used that at first I was scratching my head, but kind of makes sense was he he said, you know, maybe guys were feeling sorry for themselves coming out of the bye week And I think there might've been a little bit of that. Like they had Monday night football, then they had the bye week and Saturday night football. So not only did the bye week come late, you know, it was, you know, uh, short bye week, you know, by, mm-hmm. you know, bye week standards. And uh, I don't know if guys were necessarily feeling sorry for themselves over that more so than maybe they were feeling as a lot of humans do when they return to work after a week off, after you're like in this mode of work, 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 and then you get a week off and you come back and you're just a little sluggish. You know, I think anybody can relate to that. So they said it wasn't the best week of practice, which would certainly explain the way that they played on Saturday, but they were in that game at the end. Mac Jones, we finally got to see him down 
two scores. He hadn't attempted a pass down two scores since the first six weeks of the season. So that's a crazy had, stat. <laughs> it, it had been a while. And, you know, so there were, you know, some things you could take away from that, that after dig helping to dig that hole, he did help, you know, climb out of it and, you know, played some good football in the fourth quarter. But it's a matter of, you know, they have a lot to get fixed, but what I find interesting is this is not, you know, you can use Bill Belichick as the constant of the last 20 years and look at his history and say it's unlikely that they will do that two weeks in a row. And I do think that's true. But I also think this particular group, this team, this group of players needs to prove that they share that characteristic because they have mm-hmm. a rookie quarterback. They have new players or young players in key spots. So you can't just assume that because Tom Brady and the gang never had two bad weeks in a row that these guys will never have two bad weeks in a row. But they did show early in the season after that six-game lull of starting two and four that they could correct, you know, course correct how quickly they do it with a game at home. I just don't think focus and preparation will be even remotely an issue with this team this week, you know, based on what we saw, you know, in the brief, uh, you know, period at practice on Wednesday and, you know, talking to a lot of these players, it's, they, they have a way of flushing a game pretty quickly, you know, taking it Mm -hmm. to heart, taking it seriously. And by Monday, just kind of putting it to bed and they don't believe in week to week momentum. They don't believe in a lot of these things that people like to talk about. They believe in, Devin McCourty says it every week. It's like if they don't prepare, then it doesn't matter how many games in a row they've won. If they don't, you know, it all resets on Wednesday, how you prepare and how you practice and how you get ready for the next game. So we'll see how that how they internalize that this week because this is the biggest game of the year and essentially, you know, a preview of what a playoff game will feel like. Yeah. By the way, it's great to hear my buddy Hudson Fairburn in the background. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he never fails to make an appearance. You know, he he, he just knows he's got he's got a nose for for the microphone. And he knows when it <laughs> when we're recording, and you know, he just had to say hello. <laughs> well, a lot of that makes sense with from a Patriots perspective, and it almost caught me by surprise because normally the the age old adage with with Bill Belichick teams, and a lot of this was Tom Brady too is if you give them more than a week to prepare, odds are they're probably not going to lose that game. And it just kind of struck me as odd that they came into that game flat. And a lot of it might be something that you're, what what you're talking to, maybe just from a humanistic perspective of coming back to work or whatever the case was, but it just, it never felt like that, um, that that was a characteristic of a Bill Belichick team before. But I think that, also kind of leads to maybe the higher variance that you get when you have a lot of new pieces coming together, especially a rookie quarterback that hasn't really had to prove himself in uh, late games, down scores, in big games like that before, at least from an NFL perspective. So that, um, that to me is just a kind of an interesting layer about them as to who they are and what they can ultimately become this year. And, and if I think the, the big thing here in Buffalo that, that people are kind of saying about them is if you get up early, then you stand a pretty good chance 
of of pulling off the win because then you're forcing Mac Jones to to try and beat you from from being down a couple of scores. And so, you know, until he kind of proves that in one of these big game situations, just a lot like from the Bills perspective, until they can prove that they can win a close game, like they're not going to have much belief in them. So it's just kind of a, I, I found that interesting about this version of the Patriots because they're so far ahead of what we thought they would be at this point in their build, but yet they're still a young team in a pretty critical area too. Yeah, that's the, you know, overall they have a veteran roster in a lot of spots, but when you have a young quarterback, it feels like you're a young team. And, you know, it was interesting because before the Colts game, uh, you know, one of the Colts linebackers said they wanted to make them one-dimensional and make Mac Jones beat them. And, you know, what I wrote about at the time was that's a lot easier said than done because, like I had mentioned, he hadn't thrown a pass down nine points or more you know, in a couple of months, like nobody was doing that to them. They have one of the best first half point differentials in football. They have a really good defense. They managed to keep games close. And it's also a universal truth about playing football in general. Would you rather play an offense that's one dimensional or two dimensional? You know, would you rather play with a lead or play from behind? I mean, you know, so what you, you know, what the Colts and, you know, people have said about the Patriots is kind of true of a lot of teams. The The Bills, for instance, have won one game this year when they've trailed at any point. So, you know, similar formula, right? The Bill, I, I saw Josh Norris tweet a stat today that the last 15 Bills wins have come by 10 points or more. It's like they're either winning or, mm-hmm. you know, they're, or they're winning, running away with it, or it's, you know, not going their way. So, I think, you know, there's some of that that is just universally true. Now, there's also the fact that with a rookie quarterback playing late in the season, important games for the first time in his NFL career, yeah, you'd rather, if you're the opposition, get him down a touchdown, 10 points, 14 points, make him throw, see what happens. I don't think he handled it great on Saturday night. He had a tough first half and helped contribute to the hole that they dug. But what he did in the fourth quarter, I think, was encouraging. We were talking, a few of us before the game was about to kick off in the press box, and we were saying, well, the game wasn't going to kick off in the press box. We were talking in the press box. It would have been game. very interesting <laughs> if they did up in the press yeah, box. Yeah, not that, a lot of room up especially there. Especially in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, that would have been... The game was about to kick off on the field, and we were talking <laughs> in the press box far away from where the game was about to kick off. But we were, we were discussing how Mac Jones hadn't really had one of those disaster rookie games that you see a lot of rookies have. Uh, almost mm-hmm. every rookie at that position has one. I mean, Josh Allen's rookie season was a roller coaster. You know, there was Green Bay uh, was a mess. And then, you know, Minnesota was amazing. And Mac Jones has been much more steady as a rookie. And he had a bad game against New Orleans, uh, three interceptions, but... He, that game, like he had a weird interception bounce off of Jonu Smith's hands. And then one of the interceptions late was, you know, desperation. He didn't play well, but it wasn't like a complete disaster. And it felt like it was going that way in Indy for a good chunk of that game. And he got it back on the rails, which is not something you see a lot of rookie quarterbacks do. I mean, the Jets had to pull their, you know, you know, 
rookie quarterback out of games uh, because of of some of the things that were happening there. So I think that was somewhat encouraging, but it doesn't change the fact that the Patriots are built to be a team that would rather play the game on their terms. They would rather dictate how the game is being played. But again, who wouldn't, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. who, who? what team out there is like, all right, here's the game plan. We're going to let them go up 14 nothing, and we'll have them right where we want them, you know? So yeah. easier said than done in a lot of cases. But I do feel like the first quarter of this game is massively important for that reason because the Patriots, when they've started fast, uh, you know, they're a team that, that can really control a game with their defense and their running game and their quarterback playing uh, – you know, mistake-free brand of football, they'd rather not be in the position to have to throw. I found Bill Belichick's comments on that somewhat interesting. You know, when asked, you know, what he learned about Mac playing from, you know, down that way. And he said, you know, the score shouldn't really dictate it until you get pretty late in the game, which I don't know how much you I believe that, but there probably is something to that, right? Like 14 nothing. his... The way he put it was they went up 17 nothing in the first half. There was no reason that, you know, the Patriots couldn't score 17 points in the second half. And you don't have to dramatically change how you play to get to 17 points. But, you know, certainly there's an element of adversity that that creeps in, right? When mm-hmm. things aren't going your way as a young player and you're trying to do too much or whatever it may be, but who knows? We'll see. Probably a good uh, good learning experience. There's they're not really at the point in the season where you can claim moral victories. And the way they played, I don't think anybody would even fathom it because it was you know they were they were pretty down on themselves after the game. They weren't shy about that. But you know, as far as timing and everything else, how it all went, it's like at least they learned a little something about themselves in the process. All right. So I think that's a that's a good segue into maybe where the bills have been most recently. And when you have, especially from an offensive perspective, because you look at the, the, what the sentiment is regarding the Patriots and, and how it's going to be just super important to build an early lead. And I'm totally with you getting a lead in, uh, or, you know, these, the first quarter and really the first half is going to be just so important to shaping how this game will ultimately look down the second half. Um, And if the Bills are able to build a lead at some point in the first half and and go into the second half that way, then that puts more pressure on Mac Jones. And uh, likewise, if the Patriots are able to stave off an early Bills lead and build a lead themselves and are able to kind of take away some of the clock in the second half and not have to focus on the passing as much as maybe the bills would want them to, then that also leads to a a pretty interesting way of how this game could end up going. And that kind of leads me to where the bills have been offensively the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, I, the Panthers game is a tough one because they were going up against a team that was just completely depleted on offense. They were starting Cam Newton. They didn't have Christian McCaffrey. Their offensive line is horrible. Um, their their top receiver DJ Moore was dealing with a hamstring injury and, and played through it. Uh, it just it it just was not an effective unit. And uh, but I think from so they so the offense didn't really have the pressure. And then you look at the Buccaneers game the the week before that 
the first half was a lot to forget. However, even though the Bills didn't have the pressure to succeed against the Panthers, I think really from that second half on, the word, and we didn't, we haven't talked uh, like at length about what the Bills have done after the Patriots, but the word that I kept coming back to that, and listeners have heard me use this in the, in the past couple of weeks, to describe the Bills' offense from the second half of Tampa Bay through the end of the Carolina game was, for the first time this year, they felt inevitable, where and that that was kind of a characteristic of what they were last year, which is why I bring it up to you uh, on offense. It it felt like no matter what odds they they faced in a, in a lot of different drives in the second half against the Buccaneers and against the Panthers, that you know they they were going to at least move the ball down the field and at least maybe even get a field goal, like and that has not been commonplace whatsoever. It's just been kind of inconsistent, sporadic drive here, sporadic drive there. They've put together a ton of points and and maybe even the the defense has helped out a lot more than they did last year. And it's the reason why they're eight and six this season. But the offense, it almost feels like to me they woke up a bit. And I I, I don't think there's necessarily a um it's it's not a uh, coincidence that they woke up as soon as Gabriel Davis was inserted into the starting lineup after Emmanuel Sanders' injury. And they've been just humming along since then. So I wonder how that plays into this matchup and their confidence heading into it. Because unlike the Patriots, the Bills are very much a... uh, They say that they drop one week to the next, but they're a team that kind of builds themselves off of what, what have what has gone on previously and and even with the talk surrounding their roster and using it as fuel everything like that they're they're a lot more emotional in in that sense and i wonder how it's going to look especially with how the patriots kind of flipped their tendency against the bills last time they played a lot more man after playing a, a ton of zone um before the bills i think they played almost uh, close to 50-50 against the bills man to zone so uh, I want. I wonder how it's going to look when when we get into the the actual game setting in the first couple of quarters. Yeah, you know, emotion is such an interesting part of this game. I think because it was a huge factor. I feel like on Monday night, you know, the Monday night game a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I thought it was a pretty major factor uh, in the way Sean McDermott was coaching. I think anybody who was watching the game probably saw that in the way he was behaving on the sideline. And he seems like, you know, I was able to watch most of the Buccaneers game uh, with it being on the the Patriots bye week. And even with probably more bad calls going against the Bills, he seemed more calm. Um, And his post-game press conference after that game was, you know, if you didn't know any better, you would have thought they won uh, the way that he was talking. So I don't know if perhaps... After that Monday night game, uh, you know, the way he was after the game, the way he was during the game, it seemed like that they were off their game mentally and emotionally. You saw it with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer after the game. It just, I can only imagine, you know, how frustrating it is to know the run is coming 
and to just have the Patriots do it over and over and over and over again. And that's and, something that Brandon Bean has talked about before, too. Like, it's one of the more frustrating things as a team, as a front office, to just let the run just completely pummel you and not be able to do anything about it. And it's not even as though the Bills had a ton of those plays, but they had enough to where it really just warmed, warmed thin. Yeah, it's what was bizarre about it was, you know, they let the Patriots run well enough that they could just keep doing it. And probably what was worse than the run defense was the fact that they couldn't do anything as a team to make the Patriots stop. If they got a lead, the Patriots would have stopped running eventually, mm -hmm. but they never could. The offense could never make anything happen. So that was probably as frustrating as anything. It's not that the run defense was a complete disaster. It was not good. You know, the uh, the justification of, you know, taking uh, just take out the 67-yard run and the yards per carry average. I mean, that stuff is like the that run happened. And, you know, that you knew they were running and the, the weather was what it was and they were stacking the box. And so three yards of carry against a nine-man box is still, you know, uh, it's different than three yards of carry against, you know, a normal box. So... It wasn't a great performance from the run defense by any measure, and the defense, you know, had to have been pissed that they couldn't stop them enough to, you know, or not stop that big run and, and let things get that way. But probably what was equally frustrating for them was the fact that the offense couldn't score enough points to force the Patriots out of that game script because mm -hmm. that's where things really, you know, I think – worked in the Patriots' favor. They were able to keep running because the score was allowing them to do it, and they figured if they just had the lead and kept extending the game with you know punts and everything else that the Bills wouldn't be able to, to finish them off, and they were right. And the result was a very frustrated Bills team, a very frustrated Bills coach, and you know uh, a pretty satisfying win certainly for the Patriots based on you know the way they talked after that game. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, we are now well past the, the 4 p.m. And I went back and I looked to see when the Bills have, have sent down their um, who was added to the COVID list every single day. And <clears throat> excuse me. And it has come down at 4 p.m. And the Bills did not send one through today. So uh, it would appear yeah, that Ian Rappaport just tweeted out the list of additions and there were no new additions for the Bills. And no new additions today for the Patriots either. Yeah. So there were a lot of additions across the league, though. It's just, oh, the yes. Bills and, Bills and Patriots were spared. So that's at least a promising thing. But as we can know, it takes a bit to register. And the new rules certainly help things. Otherwise, I think we would see entire rosters taken out at this point. Um, but you know, to what the NFL is doing. This is now the, the way that they're, um, that they're going about it. So <clears throat> heading back to what the bills were unable to do defensively, you know, I, I find it very interesting, um, how, how they're going to defend this game in particular, because the Patriots, they forced the bills in, out of their comfort zone defensively, which which is usually, you know, Taron Johnson out there in their base formation. He's 
any time that they've gone up against like two tight end sets, they've kept Taron Johnson on the field and just gone with two linebackers, three quarterbacks, and, and two safeties. It's it's how they've done it all year, um, except for a handful of snaps where where teams go to go to a six offensive lineman. But I think when you look at how the Patriots kind of forced them into it, they went super heavy that last game with Michael Onwenu, um, Jacob Johnson, their fullback, and it brought on Tyrell Dotson onto the field, who was in that game because AJ Klein was on the reserve COVID nineteen list. So now Klein is cleared and he's back with the roster, but I'm still kind of interested to see how the Bills play it because Taron Johnson is one of their best defenders this season. There's no real way around it, but the Patriots were basically just by using a different personnel, were able to take one of the Bills best defenders off the field and replace him with Tyrell Dotson, who is obviously a negative at this point in his career. So it, it's just, that's part of the the chess match of this one that that uh, I think the Patriots won from that perspective because you know they how could how could they um, how could they do anything differently other than try to get super heavy when you've got a 360 pound offensive lineman and try to bring out uh, Tyrell Dotson to go up against him. So I do wonder what the Bills will do this time around because they're obviously going to see it. The Patriots are going to make the Bills prove that they they can stop those two plays that continue to to crush them again and again. And we've seen the the Buccaneers run one of those plays, and they wound up getting a touchdown on a long Leonard Fournette run on it. Even the Panthers did a, a similar play and was able to get a ton of yards on probably their their best gain of the day. So I how how the Bills end up playing it, and whether or not they trust AJ Klein fully in this situation, as opposed to Taron Johnson, who you know they're, they're worse when he's not on the field. That's uh. That's going to be a, a pretty meaty side subject of this to in the effort to stop the run so that they can build the lead enough. Yeah, I think the, the interesting part about the running game in this is certainly the it'd be far-fetched to think the Patriots are going to run it 46 times and only throw it three times again, although that would be something. You know, if the game script allowed them to do it and they could do it two if times in a row, again. you would think uh, Bill Belichick would, would take a a real satisfaction in doing that, but it, oh, sure. it, it's just not, I mean, very unlikely that that's how this game will go. But in theory, it should be more difficult for the Bills to stop the run in this game than it was in the last game because it's a little bit more of a two-dimensional offense when the weather isn't the way that it is. So they're probably not going to be able to stack the box unless they try to do that just to say, look, this isn't happening again. You better throw the ball. But yeah, Josh McDaniels, you know, referred to it as a, a bit of a tug of war preparing for a game like this with 20 days separating the two games when you're so familiar with the opponent. You may think, like you're saying, right? Well, they couldn't stop these two plays, so let's keep going to it. But you're almost thinking two steps ahead saying, okay, let's assume that they figured out how to stop it, that they're going to overcorrect for this. What can we hit them with that they haven't overcorrected for? What aren't they expecting? And that's hard to do when you're this familiar with a team, when you just saw them a few weeks ago. But I do think to an extent, if you're the Patriots, you have to, you still have to try to run the ball because it's your, your favorable way of, you know, having the game unfold. And 
you don't know, you know, when you have now the threat of the pass, that it should be a little bit easier. Now, their backfield is in interesting shape right now. Ramondre yeah, Stevenson, to ask. he has missed the last two practices with an illness uh, that doesn't appear to be COVID-related because he hasn't landed on the COVID list. Uh, Damian Harris had a hamstring injury in that Bills game and missed the Colts game, even with the bye week. I would, my best guess is that he will play. He was pretty charged up at practice on Wednesday, pretty vocal, even in the brief period we got to see. So I have a feeling he'll be good to go, especially with the extra time. And I think, you know, my opinion on the backfield has flip-flopped a few times throughout the year that I almost felt at times that Ramondre Stevenson was the more dynamic back, but seeing them without Damian Harris underscored how important he is to how they run the football, his direct style. And certainly Bill's fans got to look at that on Monday night football. He's a big part of what they do. He's, he's a big leader uh, on the offense. So, you know, I do think he is, he's trending in the right direction and, and, They'd like certainly like to have him, especially if Stevenson can't go, because then they're they're pretty you know shorthanded there. They also have JJ Taylor, who was just activated from the COVID list, but that was a long stay on the COVID list for him. That was not a brief uh, stay. He has been active for a few games this year, and he's a decent back. I don't know, you know, if he'll be ready to go on Sunday. What type of what type of shape he'll be in, but. They may also, need didn't, him if he, Stevenson didn't he fumble one clear. game and was inactive the, the next? Yeah, he's had a fumbling issue. He had two touchdowns in one game earlier this year because Stevenson was benched for fumbling. Um, wow. You know, they've had a few uh, fumbling issues. Um, Harris had some early in the season as well. But Taylor Taylor's a decent back, but I think uh, I just don't know what you can expect from him after spending so much time on the COVID list. Yeah. It must have been a pretty severe case for him to have been on there for multiple weeks. So uh, that's what they're looking at as far as what shape they're in. Bolden is still trucking away as kind of the receiving pass protection type of running back. And you know, maybe Stevenson can, you, you wonder how teams are handling non COVID illness now, you know, like mm-hmm. if a guy has anything even resembling it, there's probably a lot stay more away. Yeah. Stay home and, you know, don't worry about practice there's probably a lot more of that attitude now than there was a couple yeah. of years ago. So a lot of guesswork with with the injury report this week in New England because of Kendrick Bourne's on the COVID list, Nelson Aguilar's in concussion protocol, which is always a bit of guesswork. And then, you know, the hamstring injury for Damian Harris and, you know, J.J. Taylor, like I mentioned. So, you know, a little bit of, you know, of uncertainty with a few guys, but, you know, I think – the key guys are are ready to roll for the most part. We'll see if Bourne can can get healthy in time. That was another weird thing last week was that they did not block well as a receiver group, and that's sort of been their thing uh, for most of the season. So we'll see if they can get that turned around because you know the Bills have corners that can tackle Taron Johnson, uh, you know, among them, and you know they have guys that like in the secondary that like to make plays around the ball at the line of scrimmage. So that's kind of a sneaky part of the whole running game as well. I think those guys blocked really well uh, in the the first matchup. And Nikhil Harry is also dealing with a hip injury. He left that right. game early against the Colts too. As 
mediocre as he's been as a receiver, he has been a pretty good blocker for them. So when you run the ball the way the Patriots do, you better have receivers that that can stand up in the blocking game, and they do. They weren't there on Saturday night, but you know, depending on who's on the field, it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, regain that part of their game. Yeah, and that that whole layout right there is really interesting to me because it felt like when the Bills and Patriots met last time, the Bills were the ones that kind of had all of these injury concerns and, you know, AJ Klein going on the COVID list and, and everything along those lines, dealing with them. And the Patriots seemed relatively healthy and 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 ready to go. Um, so hearing that, you know, Stevenson is dealing with an illness, Harris, yeah, you know, wh- whether or not he's going to be ready to go with the hamstring injury, the receiver core, I think, is the most um, the most interesting part to this because it basically sounds like like they have Jacoby Myers, Gunner Olszewski, and um, and Matthew Slater right now as they're locked in three, and and that's about it. Which would you know kind of lead you to okay, so what does it look like if Mac Jones does have to come back in a game without Aguilar, without Bourne, without um, uh. W- and and without Nikhil Harry, even though he's um, like you said, been kind of mediocre. So it's it it is at least if the Bills can build a lead, it almost feels like even more so because of a lack of weapons around Jones, who has. I mean, their receivers aren't great this year, but you know when you take out Aguilar and Bourne out of the equation, and you're filling it in with two special teamers then that's a that's that's a group that's in pretty rough shape. Yeah, they would probably and they would likely will call up one or both of Trey Nixon and Christian Wilkerson who have been on the practice squad uh, all season. Nixon is a rookie, Wilkerson in his second year. So guys that have been around and been working with Mac Jones and so uh, certainly I mean, a step even still. Uh, a step down, right? You're talking yeah. about practice squad guys, but it's a step up from a couple of guys who essentially play exclusively on special teams. It would be interesting to see Gunner get a shot. Uh, You know, I know he made some noise in camp a few years ago, but, you know, not a guy that they want to count on. A lot of the passing offense has run through Hunter Henry. Uh, He had a couple of touchdowns against the Colts, and, you know, he's he's healthy at the moment. Jonu Smith has been up and down, you know, not exactly a consistent guy for them, but still a threat. They've got, you know, the guys out of the backfield, but it's not an ideal picture if you're talking about trying to come back in a game. I mean, Nikhil Harry actually made a huge catch last week down the field to set up the touchdown that put them down three points. So Nelson Aguilar made a few catches before he went down. You know, those are, while they're not amazing pieces, they are experienced and, you know, somewhat serviceable receivers compared to, you know, guys with very limited game action stepping into those spots in a big moment like this. So it's not going to be the easiest go for the passing game if they have to lean on them. But like we said, the the backfield's not in, in the greatest shape. So, you know, they've, they've certainly got some things to navigate on offense, mm-hmm. which is, you know, part of what, what will make this game a bit of a challenge. Yeah, and from a Bills perspective, it seems like, you know, Emmanuel Sanders practiced in full today. So even without Cole Beasley, they, they're going to have, uh, you know, as long as everything remains steady from a COVID perspective, they're going to have Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, 
and Emmanuel Sanders for the game on Sunday. And Isaiah McKenzie as well is kind of that number four receiver who was kind of doing more of the pre-snap motion stuff uh, last week and really the last couple of weeks to uh, to get him a bit more involved. And I will say this. I think there's a chance the Bills are better without uh, 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 without Cole Beasley on the field because he kind of struggles against man-to-man coverage. And if the Patriots follow the same suit um, against man-to-man, then then there's there's that perspective from it. But um, but yeah, the the biggest uh, the biggest potential absence would be if Deion Dawkins can't play in this game because Spencer Brown was a disaster at left tackle this past week. He only had a couple of days to prepare, but Brian Burns just completely stole his lunch money um, all game long. And that's going to be a situation that they'll want to avoid if they can get Deion Dawkins back, but there's no telling because it's just so up in the air as to whether or not Dawkins can get back-to-back negative tests from being on the reserve COVID-19 list. So a lot of different... um, a lot of different elements from a Bills offensive perspective, but it does seem like, at least from a skill position standpoint, they're, they've got a leg up in this one. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so we've done a lot of back and forth about what this what it's looked like for these two teams. So let's just get right into the prediction because that's that's what people are ultimately here for. The Shaq Lawson uh, prediction hour, even though Shaq Lawson is nowhere close to this game. So the Bills, I actually, you'll be proud of me. I went and, and got the uh, the betting odds uh, before we, we started talking about it. Um, the Bills are two-point underdogs, and they open the week as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. So Matthew Fairburn, who do you have um, and why? And who, who uh, covers the spread and over-under, all that good stuff? You know, after I got 
my rhythm about me. I have, like I mentioned on the last podcast, I haven't been picking games and I haven't, you know, mm-hmm. been in the rhythm of doing that. So I was hemming and hawing the whole time and not really, sh- you know, now I came in ready. I, you know, I'm like, I pick games. I know this is, this is how it goes. And so I think the Patriots are going to win again. Um, I am less confident than the first time around. Uh, you know, when I woke up that Monday morning and saw the weather, it felt like even more that, that the Patriots were going to win that game. Less confident in it for some of the reasons we mentioned, a little uncertainty on offense, and the Bills are bound to be, you know, at least marginally better on offense uh, in theory than they were in those conditions on Monday night. But after what happened on Saturday night, it feels like this team, you know, it's kind of a lame thing to be like, oh, they needed a loss. Or I don't think they needed a loss. They would have preferred to win and be 10-4 and four going into this game. But because they lost, I feel like they're going to they're not going to repeat a lot of the issues that they had against the Colts on Saturday night. I think the main thing that steers me towards the Patriots is that Bill Belichick and his defense, the way it's playing, is a problem for Josh Allen and the Bills. It was in the first matchup. The weather contributed, no doubt. But outside of one game, Bill Belichick has been a problem for Josh Allen throughout his career. And I think that will continue, particularly in Foxborough. And, you know, the little situational things that popped up in the first game where the Patriots had an edge in almost every one outside of Nikhil Harry for some reason being back to return punts. Uh, you know, I think those little things in a game like this matter, playing at home, it's that defense that that I'm really, you know, betting on here. I think they cover the spread. I think it's an under game, uh, but I think the Patriots come out with the win, and as long as they don't screw it up in Miami, you know, come away with the division. Yeah. Um, so that uh, we we shared the same sentiment last time around, where we both picked the Patriots to win. Um, this time around. I'm going to go against you on this one. I've got the Bills winning this game, and it's a lot of it has to do with how I think the offense kind of figured things out and how, you know, Brian Dable has kind of figured things out the past couple of weeks. And even down the stretch, when the Bills were throwing into the wind, I thought they were actually pretty successful, and they just they just didn't find that knockout punch right at the end. So... I look at I look at this one and the big X factor to me is Gabriel Davis working up against Jalen Mills if as long as they have JC Jackson cover or or you know shadow Stefan Diggs wherever he goes. Davis is a legit player in this Bills offense and I think they are a better team with him in the lineup. And I think it helps build their passing offense a bit. And even last week when Josh Allen was dealing with his foot sprain, um, they took the running out of the equation. They didn't call any quarterback draws. They didn't call any quarterback sweeps, anything like that. The only time he ran was when he took off against man coverage and got 26 yards down the field. And he looked good doing it. So he has a full week of being contained in the pocket. Uh, by a couple of good edge rushers in in what the Panthers have in Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. And that's after a week of going up against a good pass rushing uh, duo of, you know, uh, of well, maybe less Jason Pierre-Paul, but Shaq Barrett, um, Joe Tryon, Choinka, 
Um, so they've got they've got some legitimate dudes there, and I think Allen has performed really well over the last two weeks. So yeah, the Patriots will get theirs on defense from from time to time, but I think the Bills' offense has started to really turn the corner a bit, and I think they'll be able to do just enough in this one. And I do think the Bills will have a, a better time at at limiting the run. And, you know, if they get a lead, then that force forces Mac Jones in into the equation. So I'm going to take the Bills in this one. I think it's going to be tight. Um, I would not be shocked if it's a last second field goal, but I'll take the Bills um, to cover, obviously, because I'm having them win. And I think I've got the over in this one. I think we, we might get a we might get a sneaky over based on. You know, a lot of people thinking it's going to be low scoring based on the last time. The line's pretty low at 43 and a half. I would not be shocked if if uh, these two teams went for 45 plus in this game, which is not a huge cover, but but a, but an over nonetheless. So I feel like we're, we're reversing roles here. I felt like I was always the guy who took the under and you were the one who took the over. And I don't know. I, I, I do you want do you want to do you want to get get on team over? I could see it happening. I would never put money yeah. on the under in this situation. I could see a team getting to 30. It's happened a lot at Gillette Stadium this year where, you know, there's been games, you know, scores in the 20s, high 20s, you know, low 30s. So it could happen. And and I think all you need is one team to get into the high 20s to hit that over. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, a crazy number. Gabriel Davis does feel like the X factor in this game. Mm-hmm. It does feel like this offense is better without Cole Beasley. Uh, you know, we talked about the idea of Emmanuel Sanders playing in the slot, um, you know, when he was signed and it feels like they might get forced into that, but even Gabriel Davis can, can move in there if they need him to and give them a a big slot. Look, I don't think that's the way you want to go in this game with Kyle Duggar on the field, but you know, I, I do think that this offense is in better shape than it was a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's an important point to underscore that as all or nothing as this game feels because it is for the division that, you know, both of these teams are likely going to be there in January in the playoffs. So, you know, I think, you know, the bills season has been majorly up and down and, and definitely been a, you know, one of those, you know, frustrating years, I'm sure for the fans, but you're talking about a team that is talented enough to beat anybody on any given week. And Mm -hmm. if they get hot at the right time, who the heck knows what's going to happen? So that's where these next few weeks are so interesting as these games get more important and as, you know, you, you start to see different matchups and, you know, how teams handle different stakes, who's hot and healthy at the right time. You know, that's how, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're doing another one of these podcasts in a few weeks because these two teams are are seeing one another in the playoffs. It, it has the feeling of that type of year where, these two teams might not be done with each other after after two rounds. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a pretty good one on Sunday, and I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty glad it's at 1 p.m. <laughs> very, very glad. It was um, three out of four primetime games for for the Patriots. They had Thursday night football. They had a 1 p.m. home kick, which are just chef's Oof. kisses beautiful the 1 p.m home kick you gotta love then they went and played monday night football then they had saturday night football they've played every day of the week it feels like always at yeah. you know they've had i think four primetime games this year which 
I believe is what the Bills have had, right? Four or five, yeah. maybe. Yeah, the uh, Bills had um, had back to back night games on the road, which is a real treat. Yeah, every the three out of four, all of them were on the road. It was in Atlanta. Oof. It was in Buffalo and in Indy. It, the eight. The, I know a lot of fans feel the same way, which is why I don't feel bad complaining about yeah, right. it. I know a lot of fans like the one o'clock kick too, so we're not alone. Uh, as much as people are clamoring for the primetime games for Buffalo when the schedule comes out, I definitely see a lot on my Twitter feed filter through of like, man, so glad to have the one o'clock game. So right. I know people, you know, you get your routine down and I don't know, certainly from a work perspective, it's just uh, a lot easier on the sleep schedule to be at least in the, the four o'clock window is kind of nice that Bill's had that four o'clock game. You're still working late, but you get to watch yeah. the one o'clock game. So there's a... There's a some charm to the four o'clock window, but I was I was afraid this one was going to get flexed. I, I thought yeah. it might end up a Sunday night game, but you know I, I think wonder if they protected it. It's possible, and yeah. you know they had just had the Bills and Patriots on prime time. They had mm-hmm. Washington and Dallas, which is a a pretty good bet to get good ratings. Yeah. So Steelers and Chiefs are at four twenty five. Yeah, so it it worked out in that that way, but now there's you know there's a Monday night playoff game, right? So who knows? These schedules I could know. get weird. So I enjoy know, this crossed. this one o'clock kick while you can out there, you know, fans. Make sure you, you get a lot of rest uh, over the holiday and get your sleep schedule right because it might be uh, might be thrown to the wind with some, some nighttime football here once the playoffs roll around. Oh, yes, and the Bills have 1 o'clock games for the rest of the regular season, which is uh, more than ideal from from the, you know, just uh, the internal clock that you have on Sundays. Pr- pretty good. All right, Matthew Fairburn, this was fun once again. Uh, any fond words of farewell? Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, do it prematurely, or, you know, after the fact, I should say. Yeah, I, I you know, hope everybody out there has... Uh good holiday season here whatever you celebrate whoever you celebrate with make sure you know you're staying safe and sane out there i appreciate everybody listening to us all throughout the year even though i i've had more of a uh, broken up schedule here in the fall i still feel like i kind of went wire to wire in 2021 <laughs> with the podcast got the first episode and uh one of the last episodes here before the new year so um always appreciate the chance to to chat with you and to chat with our listeners that still feel like, you know, part of me here. It's cool to still be covering the AFC East and still be, uh, you know, closely connected with what's going on in Buffalo and uh, to be, you know, covering these games and, and everything like that. So appreciate everyone out there and hopefully it's an entertaining one on Sunday. Yeah. Here, here on, on all fronts, happy holidays to everyone. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, and by the way, if you haven't yet, head over to uh, theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat and get yourself a nice little uh, discount on your yearly subscription as, uh, as a nice little end of year slash holiday treat for you. All right. So for Matthew Fairber, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, this extended preview edition of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills and Patriots will kick off at 1 o'clock from Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, and it should be a doozy. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you after the game. Let's see you then.